I can definitely see someone just kind of being like, I don't want to take the mask off every two minutes. I'm just going to leave it off for a while. Do you have someone standing there in every auditorium, watching every movie, watching the audience members in this dark room to make sure they're not taking their masks off? This is the Box Office Podcast. I'm Russ Fisher, the editorial director of the Box Office Studios, which provides editorial content to movie theaters. And I am joined, as always, by Daniel Luria, the editorial director of Box Office Pro, and Rebecca Polly, the deputy editor of Box Office Pro. Hello, both of you. Hey, Russ. Hello, hello. And we are back now after the second week of new releases in movie theaters in the United States. And to that effect, a quick announcement, we have up until this point, and including this episode, we have published each weekly podcast on Mondays. Going forward, we're going to change our schedule to publish on Thursday, starting this Thursday, September 3rd, because now that theaters are open and new releases are arriving, we will go back to our original plan for this podcast, which would be to factor in box office forecasting. And so we will go to a Thursday schedule to affect that because obviously we're not going to be forecasting the previous weekend's box office if we're running on Mondays. For this episode, however, because this is still our last Monday episode, we're going to look back at this past weekend. Daniel, let's talk about some international numbers and uh, look at the UK market a little bit to see where things stand in box office right now. Yeah, Russ, it's been an interesting ride back to new releases coming into the international cinemas now that have been open quite a number of more weeks than cinemas here in the United States, operating mostly with domestic titles and with repertory releases. Now, the data that we have is from the weekend of August 21st through 23rd. So it's a week old for our listeners right now, but still indicates uh, a couple of things that we can expect in the United States down the line. The first positive news is that cinema in China that uh, began closing in January experienced their first $100 million plus new title launch in the country. This is great news for the industry. It's basically the first post-COVID blockbuster that we're seeing in a, in a global level. Uh, it is a domestic title, a historical epic named The 800, which opened in China to previews beginning on Monday, August 17th, through the uh, opening weekend. It did quite well in its uh, first two days in the market. IMAX actually reported a number of sellout screenings in its first two days of previews in China. That $100 million plus launch, uh, a great piece of news uh, as the Chinese industry, the second largest market in the global box office, slowly begins to recover. So whereas things have been very difficult for us here in North America, it's something that began, what, in in mid-March? The Chinese market has a two months head start with dealing with this crisis, and it's good and promising to see them slowly recover. So the market doesn't have a number of titles in simultaneous release, but this whole one tentpole per two, three week schedule that we can anticipate in the US, we're beginning to see that in China. Elsewhere in the global box office, we're seeing the rollout of Unhinged from Solstice Studios, that Russell Crowe vehicle that that we've been mentioning, has been scheduled uh, for a number of months now 
as the pre-Tenet new release uh, moving alongside Tenet in that rescheduling process. It had its first U.S. expansion over the, over the weekend uh, that we are reporting on, going to uh, 1,823 screens uh, here in the U.S. and Canada and grossing uh, around $4 million, according to the studio. Now, of course, these aren't blockbuster numbers, but that isn't a wide release uh, of 3,000-plus theaters as we're used to, and this being the first weekend of a return to new titles uh, to U.S. screens, we can expect things to slowly trickle in little by little. As we saw from the U.K. market, this is something where when a new title comes in, the opening weekend doesn't really become an indicator of the subsequent weeks. But as more screens in that market open up, we're seeing the sort of uh, weekend percentages increase in a week-over-week basis. That's something that has happened in the UK, guys. We had a 16% bump for the weekend gross of uh, UK's unhinged rollout from week one to week two. And then in the previous uh, weekend, we had a 29% bump uh, from week two to week three for unhinged box office in the UK. Now, why is that? Well, I think a, a big part of it is audiences getting a little bit more comfortable going out to theaters, but a significant part of that increase is also more theaters opening up. So we had a 68% location increase between week two and week three for Unhinged in the UK. Of course, Rebecca, this is something that the UK market has been uh, looking at closely, not only opening these locations, but communicating with audiences that they're ready for the return. Absolutely. Uh, Over in the UK right now, uh, the majority of screens have opened up. Theaters in the UK were allowed to open up on on July 4th and in the subsequent six, seven weeks. The major chains have have opened up and and pretty much most of it's open. That said, as we're seeing uh, in the US, as we're seeing in other countries, that reopening process is a gradual one with cinemas getting used to new ways of operating, cinema goers getting comfortable with returning to the movies, and of course, studios actually releasing new films. A core voice in this is the UK industry body Cinema First, which is a joint effort of the UK CA and the FDA, respectively. They represent the exhibitors and distributors in the UK. Now, Cinema First was created in February 2019 to promote moviegoing. Obviously, the state of moviegoing in in the UK has changed drastically since that time. Uh, However, the goal uh, of Cinema First really hasn't. They're still promoting moviegoing. It's just the circumstances under which they're doing that has changed. To that end, recently they launched the Love Cinema campaign, which has the twin goals of making moviegoers aware of enhanced cleaning procedures and just in a general sense, uh, reminding them of their love of going to the cinema. Ian Jacob, the chair of Cinema First, was kind enough to speak uh, to Box Office Podcast about that initiative. Uh, you can find more about it on lovecinema.com. And, and I really recommend going there and checking out their uh, their video if you haven't seen it yet. It's, it's really good. People need to feel they're going to be in a safe environment. That's so critically important. And, and it, it's, it's not that people don't think they're going to be in a safe environment. People just want to be reassured. They want to hear from the cinema industry as to what steps are specifically being taken to make the environment safer for them. Now, the good thing, as you know, about uh, cinema is that it's a controlled, very well-controlled environment. You can stagger film showings. 
so you don't get too much audience in at one time and people can come and leave separately and safely. People don't wander around cinemas. You go to your seat, you take your food there and you settle down and you can distance there. So the environment is one that can and is well governed, if you will, uh, to make it a safer environment. We've talked about this many times in past episodes. As cinemas reopen and people consider whether or not to go back, word of mouth is a big part. You know, one of the things that a lot of theater owners are concerned with is the idea that customers need to be made aware of what the procedures are, but we also need to hear how they work in practice. Like, you know, do people who go to the theaters now, the the kind of early readopters, if you will, are they happy with what they're seeing? Do they feel like they were safe? You know, did they go and think like, okay, you know, this was pretty good. You know, that famously there was, uh, well, not famously perhaps, but Solstice Studios, which is releasing Unhinged, sent out a press release that was talking about sort of trumpeting how many people that saw Unhinged said, oh, you know, it, it it's safe to go back and you should do this. And I've seen a lot of back and forth about that on, on social media, which has become a big talking point. And personally, you know, I just had to fly this past weekend, flew back and forth between uh, Kansas City and Los Angeles and was nervous about it at first and honestly came out of the experience thinking not necessarily that it was 100% safe, but that it was a lot better than I expected it to be. I'm not as anxious about the outcome of my exposure during those flights as I thought I might be. So I'm curious to see how people who have gone to cinemas feel about their experience. So at this point, you know, Cinema First is sensitive to the question of how do people feel as they're doing research and gathering opinions on habits of moviegoers who are going back right now. Uh, NT is sensitive uh, to the fact that there are certain groups, uh, maybe older demographics or people uh, with underlying conditions who it, it might take longer for them to feel comfortable. And, and it's something that uh, that Cinema First is going to keep a look at um, as they continue to do research and, and poll audience opinions. What we will do and continue to do is track sentiment towards going. And if we see there's any sort of a course correction that we need to do uh, with communication, obviously we would we would work on that. Uh, what we're also picking up is that where there are particular audiences that may be more reticent about the cinema because maybe they are more more at risk or they're more concerned for whatever reasons, those groups we might continue to, to communicate with in a more specific ways. So Jacob also spoke on the subject of masks in UK theatres, which as of the end of July are required uh, by the UK government. If you go to lovecinema.com, a uh, unified cleaning procedure, safety procedure, you know, is, is there to look at. And one of those points is that moviegoers must wear masks. They can take them off when they're eating or drinking, but that staff members at movie theaters are not necessarily required to do so. Obviously, the, the mask issue is one that is contentious, might be the right word. or, or <laughs> and, and we will be talking about that, uh, that later in the podcast. But, you know, as long as we had, uh, we had Mr. Jacob on the phone, we, we wanted to ask him how things are shaping up in the UK uh, with regard to, to mask usage. I think as, as the United States begins to open more theaters up, I, I think it, it really behooves us to look at uh, markets that have been open for a while and to see how they've handled things. In the UK, it's it's kind of similar uh, to what it is here. They have a, a 
government mask requirement that we don't. But per Jacob, cinemas are encouraging people to wear masks while moving around in the common areas and hallways and restrooms and lobbies. But when they're seated in auditoriums, you know, there's social distancing already built into that. And obviously, people are going to have to take their masks off to eat. So you are seeing a lot of people in UK cinemas not wearing masks in the auditorium when they're actually watching the movie. So taking off the the face covering at that point to eat or if it makes you feel more comfortable, I think generally is seen as acceptable. Obviously, it's up to the individual, up to the individual cinema chains as to how much they, if you will, you use the word enforce. I think they're really trying to give their audiences to try to treat them like adults and strongly suggest that they have um, face coverings. And, you know, I've obviously been to the, um, to the cinema a few times since they've opened and I'm, I'm going again uh, this Wednesday. I found that people are responsible uh, and if you treat them like adults, they will behave like adults. And um, I think people see it as a, as a responsibility for, for them to be safe around other people and take care of other people as well. So I don't think I'm seeing it through two, two rosier tinted spectacles. So those are interesting comments, especially as the UK market ramps up press campaign to prepare audiences for the release of Tenet, the first new wide release uh, in that market from a major studio. It's the same situation that we're seeing in the United States with movie theaters reopening and beginning to welcome back new releases. The National Association of Theater Owners uh, held a press conference featuring a number of leading cinema executives from IMAX and heads of four of the major circuits in the country to go over a new plan of protocols, guidelines, and uh, health procedures called Cinema Safe. Now, these guidelines are available at 315 of the country's movie theater groups. That includes art houses and uh, repertory cinemas like Film Forum uh, that we're big fans of here in New York City to the major circuits across the United States. These are all guidelines that either meet or exceed a lot of the CDC provisions uh, that, that have been released, and they include required mask wearing all over the the site, including in the auditoriums, except when eating or drinking concessions for both patrons and staff alike. Social distancing in cinemas, reduced capacity across each auditorium. An important point here, air filtration systems that include the latest sort of filters. So these HVAC systems increase ventilation uh, as much as possible per auditorium. Measures such as uh, promoting frequent hand washing, uh, the availability of hand sanitizer. We've heard all about the enhanced cleaning uh, measures that a lot of these cinemas are putting into place. And employee health training at all of these participating locations of the Cinema Safe program. We also have encouraging mobile ticketing wherever possible, encouraging cinema goers and staff to not go to these locations if they're not feeling well. And finally, something that we've touched here in the podcast before, a modified concessions experience that encourages contactless payment and as little communication as possible uh, face-to-face with cinema staff. These are the overall guidelines that the cinemas are bringing together in this program. For more details, you can check their webpage, cinemasafe.org, to find not only all of the policies and guidelines, but also resources for exhibitors interested in adding this to their cinema. 
Now, both of these epidemiologists who helped develop this plan were very clear on this call that nothing, including going to a cinema right now, is low risk. So the question was posed to them, you know, how do theaters rank against other indoor activities that people can participate in right now? Things like bowling, going to museums, going to the aquarium, all three things that have recently been given dates where they're allowed to reopen in New York State by Governor Cuomo. Or even things like, you know, indoor dining, like getting on an airplane. I mean, Russ, you, you've been on one since all this started. I have two. You know, is that more or less dangerous than, than going to a theater? And the points that these doctors brought up is that, uh, you know, in a theater, you're not moving around. You're not talking to each other. You're not singing you're not even really looking in the same direction as other people and breathing in other people's air, you know, directly like you would be if you were sitting across the table from someone at a restaurant. That said, something that that these doctors said that I that I really appreciate them doing is saying that, you know, in other markets where theaters have opened, there has not been an outbreak linked to movie theaters the way there's been, say, outbreaks linked to bars opening. But the asterisk there is yet. We don't know. There very well could be a situation where movie theaters open up and there's a there's a COVID case in a movie theater. And, and that's that's not certainly uh, outside the realm of possibility. So it was a very measured response from from these scientists that so far as scientific studies have been able to tell so far, there is no you know, undue risk in going to the movie theater compared to a lot of other activities that are legally allowed. But that that is by no means a definite thing moving forward. And if I can add something there, I, I think one of the interesting things uh, said by Dr. Joyce Sanchez, uh, one of the epidemiologists uh, consulted uh, for this study, is that the, the three factors that Dr. Sanchez looks at when looking at the activity risk uh, of anything during this COVID era is uh, distance, dose of potential virus, and duration. And uh, for Dr. Sanchez, she said she was very confident with the social distancing measures within auditoriums, looking at the decreased capacity of admissions. So if you have 20% uh, admissions, 30, 50% admissions, there is an ability there making sure that you have proper social distance within that space. The second of which, the dose of potential virus, that's where the mask conversation comes in, right? Where if you have the mask, you're wearing it throughout uh, the the duration of a film, and you're only taking it off, not to talk to someone across the table, not to, not to sing, not to have a conversation, but really you're, you're facing a screen and you're putting a piece of popcorn from a bucket to your hand or sipping a soda. As long as you're putting off your mask for those brief instances, she said she is comfortable with how cinemas are addressing that. The only factor that is still not uh, 100% in line for, for those three factors is the duration, something that, as we know, movie theaters have no control over. If you go to a movie, you're sitting for 90 minutes, or if it's a Peter Jackson movie, four hours. So it's a situation where Dr. Sanchez believes is comparable to a domestic flight of around the same time, where if the HVAC systems are working, if not too many people are in that auditorium, and as long as you're observing that mask policy in place, the risk shouldn't be much greater than something that, uh, as Russ can attest to, is already being done by a lot of folks in the United States. 
I'm very interested to see in a couple of weeks how the question of outbreaks related to movie theaters is resolved. You know, contact tracing in the U.S. is probably not what it needs to be, but we have seen, uh, you know, with something like, say, something big and high profile like the Sturgis rally in South Dakota, you know, some cases were traced to that, uh, although probably not as many as some people expected, given some of the photos you saw of Sturgis with people gathered together not wearing masks. So I'm really curious to see how things work out once we get a couple of weeks down the line and we can see uh, whether or not any cases can be definitively traced to movie theaters. But then we go forward to the question of playing by the rules where Dr. Sanchez says, you know, everybody needs to follow the rules, speak up if you see someone without a mask or if safety procedures aren't being followed, you know, maybe limit your food consumption. But there are two things that are related to that that stick out to me. One is the question of comfort. I think we can all collectively understand that as we get more comfortable with what we perceive the safety of an environment to be, we become less vigilant about some of the protective measures. You know, you say like, oh, I've gone to the theater three times and it's been fine. So maybe instead of putting my mask on and off between when I'm eating or drinking, I'm just going to take it off for the whole time because it's easier. And I don't feel, you know, personally as, uh, I don't feel as as much like that's an essential thing. So, oh, okay, I'm safe here. And I'm curious to see that that seems like it could be a factor going forward. I am not a scientist. I'm not a doctor and epidemiologist. So this is just coming from of a perspective of a curious onlooker, obviously. And then we get back to the question that we've, again, addressed here multiple times, which is the question of enforcement. Who is the person who gets to be the one who goes up to customers and says, you have to wear a mask. How is that done? Is this a minimum wage person who maybe doesn't want to get in an argument or a standoff with someone over the mask question? That's been one of our biggest questions on this podcast as we've talked about this for months. And frankly, it's still a big question given all of these comments and especially what Dr. Sanchez is saying. That's something that uh, Mark Zarati, CEO of Cinemark, spoke to on this call, basically saying that Yes, pretty much everyone, um, you know, came in with a mask. The majority of people came in with a mask. Of the people who didn't, the majority of them, you know, you give them a mask and they'll wear the mask. And, and that there were very few instances where they had to say, like, no, you don't want to wear a mask. You can't be in here. So we'll give you a refund and be on your way. That said, I mean, I am, I am curious about how theaters are dealing with the challenge specifically of uh, enforcement of mask wearing within auditoriums. Because, you know, I just keep thinking back to pretty much every theater uh, for years has had a no talking, uh, no texting, no cell phone use policy. And the majority of those theaters, we can say as, as avid moviegoers, do not enforce those rules. And, and I, I don't, I don't love that, but I understand it. Uh, you're putting your staff in the position of having to confront people, which is uncomfortable for, for them to have to do. It's potentially, you know, more disruptive and it would just, you know, cost money in, in, in hiring staff to kind of constantly be keeping an eye out for people having their cell phones on. Of course, now it's not, cell phones, it's it's a matter of public safety with the masks. I mean, how, how do you guarantee 
you know, and it's not just like someone eats popcorn for 10 minutes and then they're done. You know, I'm continually eating popcorn throughout <laughs> because I love popcorn. And then, I mean, I, I can definitely see someone just kind of being like, I don't want to take the mask off every two minutes. I'm just going to leave it off for a while. Do you have someone standing there in every auditorium watching every movie, watching the audience members in this dark room? to make sure they're not taking their masks off for, for too long. I mean, how do how, how do you, cause it is a, a, a large task. I mean, do you, do you do what like the Broadway theaters do and equip people with laser pointers so they can like blip people who take their phones out? Or it's like, you know, I'm sure all three of us have been in press screenings where there are, are two guys positioned at the front corners of the theater, looking at the audience with night vision goggles on. And it's just weird, you know, because it's like, Oh, you guys are scanning to make sure nobody's recording the movie, which in the hundreds of press screenings I have attended over nearly 20 years, I've literally never seen anyone do, but those guys are there with the goggles anyway, different point, but it's just a, that's not the experience that you want at the movie. You don't want to be flicking your eyes down to see the person who's watching you watch the movie. It's just crappy. And kids under two don't have to wear masks, but what about like a five or a seven year old kid going in to see an animated movie? What, what are the parents going to constantly be putting their masks back on to the, do these employees have to step in and do it if, if the parents are overwhelmed? I just think that, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to know exactly how thorough theaters are able to be, specifically with the in-theater mask enforcement. You know, in, in common areas, I think it's, it's pretty easy to see and it's pretty easy to call out like, hey, you're not wearing a mask. But when a movie's playing in a dark room, that's that's a whole different story and, and people are eating. So that that for me is, is something that... Um, that I would be curious to hear more about from theaters. And I definitely think it's, it's a challenge for them. It's important also to remember that we can get lost in the what ifs. Uh, we, we really can't go down that road because movie theaters have faced a number of challenges in enforcing a number of policies inside of the auditorium over the years. Uh, Russ, you brought up the, the threat of piracy. I remember when, what was that app? Periscope, that live video app oh, yeah. uh, first came out. Sure. Uh, when it came out, the number of just absolutely stupid articles I remember reading of people saying, oh, we're going to go in and uh, people are going to just live stream an entire movie from their phone in an auditorium. And while you did have a, a number of kids, I don't want to say it didn't happen at all, it was fairly limited. You know, it, it wasn't something that was happening uh, at all times. Uh, you know, coming from Mexico, I can tell you some memories I had uh, <laughs> growing up going to the movies where there'd be a dude that showed up with a camcorder in that auditorium. The responsibility there was down to the other patrons to go in and say, hey, there's a dude with a camcorder in the auditorium because he couldn't expect the uh, the cinema staff to uh, to be vigilant about these things all the time. The same thing happens, I think, with you know a problem that many movie theaters deal with, which is sneaking in concessions to the auditorium, right? Let's not uh, pretend that this isn't, doesn't happen. It absolutely does happen. Now, it's easier for me to go up to a, to a theater employee and say, hey, there's a dude pirating your movie <laughs> sitting three rows down to me, but I'm probably not going to go in and tell on someone that showed up with, uh, with microwavable popcorn inside a backpack, right? That being said, if you sort of track these things, they're not as widespread, I think, as we would fear, at least in the past. And looking at the international reopening effort, where a lot of these mask policies, uh, as we've noted, 
are in place in other countries. So far up to this point, that whole the caveat that the doctors had mentioned that we haven't seen a published study linking outbreaks back to cinemas, that also applies to the international reopening. The mass policy and any sort of potential uh, conflicts, that also applies to the international reopening. A lot of these circuits that are reopening with these policies have already been opened internationally and have that experience of how to enforce it. That isn't to say there won't be blind spots. Absolutely, there will be. But I do wonder just how widespread this will be or if this gets, uh, if this becomes a higher priority for audiences. I can personally tell you guys, for me, if I'm in an auditorium, I feel uncomfortable with a patron sitting in that auditorium not observing these policies. I'm more likely to tell the theater staff and notify them uh, as a viewer in a similar case that I, I'd probably, you know, report a lot of the gross things I've seen in uh, happen in movie theaters, which we, we don't have to get into. Regardless of, of how individual people might feel about it, you know, theaters are open, more of them are opening, and we're going to have to see how the numbers play out. You know, there are a lot of different factors at play here. Certainly, uh, the numbers in America are, are a lot different than the numbers, you know, in other countries where theaters have, have been open more. But I mean, I remember when the protests in New York kind of initially kicked off uh, a few months back, there was a lot of concern about this is going to lead to a huge spike in, right. in COVID cases. And it really didn't because just about everybody was wearing masks. Like I, there were people handing out hand sanitizers and everyone was taking it very seriously. And I think as long as that happens, certainly we're going we're gonna to have a better shot here. And I think it's something that uh, in the same way that I think cinema staffs are very vigilant when it comes to reporting piracy, when it comes to, at least on their end, noticing uh, someone walking in with concessions, I think mask policies, or at least I hope mask policies, receive the same amount of importance. Because after these five months being closed, no one, absolutely no one can afford another cycle of reopenings or reopenings or making this at all less safe for anyone coming in. I think a big part of this Cinema Safe campaign is acknowledging, hey, not everyone is going to be comfortable coming back to the movie theaters once Tenet reopens. And that's okay. Now, for those of you who are, or if you're thinking about returning, these are the policies that are going to be in place when you return. I do think a big part of this reopening procedure's success is going to come down to the enforcement of those policies. I do hope they are enforced as they should. I hope they're, they are more on the uh, enforcing anti-piracy rules side of the spectrum compared to the enforcing no cell phone rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately, the thing is that enforcement or lack thereof of cell phones, you know, is an issue for individuals, but it doesn't really bear on whether or not theaters can stay open. It hurts my spirit, but it doesn't hurt my physical safety. Correct. And ultimately, you know, something like the mask question and in a macro sense, the safety question overall, it really comes down to the question of we want theaters to be open. We want theaters to be economically viable. We want audiences to be comfortable going back to the movies. And at this point, really the best way to do that is to make sure that those standards and protocols are in place and adhered to. It's very simple. So, you know, for me, that's the perspective that I bring to this. It's like, I don't want to see something enforced for the sake of enforcement. I want to see it enforced for the health of this industry overall and the future of this industry. 
And there, there are a lot of visible things. I mean, that, that's part of what this whole Cinema Safe campaign is about, uh, taking the policies that theaters are enacting and, and making them more visible. Masks are already, uh, you know, extremely visible. Ditto uh, stations for hand sanitizer. A big one, though, that, that's not quite so visible is uh, the, the HVAC systems. Mm. And Daniel, I was wondering if you could speak. There was, there, there was some interesting stuff there on the, in, in the last couple of minutes of that call. Yeah, I think when it comes to the air filtration things, uh, it's frustrating. And really, I think I, I echo those frustrations, you know, being involved in covering this industry. When you hear uh, some of the perspectives or when you read some of the stories of folks that really haven't done their homework on on basic aspects of, of how these theaters operate or or what a movie theater auditorium can do to implement measures. That was the case uh, with a recent Andrew Cuomo press conference where he specifically cited uh, air filtration and uh, HVAC systems uh, in movie theaters uh, as a main concern for them not having the same opening time frame as uh, the very clean indoor gyms or bowling alleys in New York. Uh, now, those statements... Uh, I don't doubt that they were earnest, but they really weren't rooted in fact. It was uh, something that John Fithian, the president and CEO of the National Association of Theater Owners, and Mookie Greidinger, the CEO of UK Cineworld, which owns Regal Cinemas here in the US, were quick to correct. A lot of the air filtration systems in the United States for movie theaters are up to par with many of the most stringent retail uh, systems that we see in this country. Uh, we're not in a situation where air from one auditorium is ever recycled into another auditorium. And we also don't have a situation where you only would have one air conditioning system operating through multiple screens. Uh, that simply isn't the case. So it was good to hear these sort of insights being shared in a press conference. I would like to get word of these out to a more general public that might have these concerns. Because it's one thing if a trade association president and a CEO knows how the air filtration of a movie theater auditorium works. But I think we're in a situation where these have to have, these policies and these guidelines have to have equal, if not more, of a marketing campaign as trailers for Tenet or Wonder Woman coming out. I think they're going to be crucial in informing audiences just what they can expect in the return to cinemas. It's interesting. It almost sounds like you're saying that, uh, that cinema exhibitors should take a page from the likes of Netflix and Amazon, who uh, who do more for promoting themselves as platforms than the individual movies. Hey, I think that's a really interesting uh, observation. I think that's why something like Cinema Safe is, is so important in what we've called a fractured reopening effort, right? It's something that unifies the industries. It's something that, you know, addressing something that Adam Aaron, the CEO of AMC, said in the press conference, not everyone knows the difference between an AMC or a Cinemark or a Marcus Auditorium. They go to the movies. So it's important for audiences to know what they can expect from the movies as a general category, rather than having individual guidelines per theater. And now, since we are heading towards our third weekend of reopened cinemas, we're very quickly going to be getting to the point where we will get some data about how things have gone in the first two weeks with respect to safety and cases. And I think we're all eager to actually see that data and uh, collectively have fingers crossed that it is positive and that there are no uh, big issues that stand out. And so we'll be back on Thursday for the first episode in our new schedule where we will be looking 
looking forward towards the box office of Tenet's U.S. opening. And we'll continue to talk about all of these questions about safety and uh, how the audiences are responding to theaters being open once again. We're excited to do so. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you to uh, our producers, Caitlin Kehoe and recordeditpodcast.com. And uh, thanks to Rebecca Polly and Daniel Luria for joining me, Russ Fisher, once again. Uh, this episode was written by Rebecca and Daniel and narrated by the three of us. Uh, we will see you on Thursday, September 3rd. Thanks a lot.